You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. We're really, really grateful that you all chose to join us this morning. We know that uh, we don't take that for granted. Whether you're here in person, whether you're here joining us on the live stream this morning, thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us. God is just the more full expression of his presence when we gather together, right? So we thank you for being here. Uh, My name's Chaz. I'm the youth and young adult pastor here at the Vineyard, and it is my duty to continue our uh, series in Ephesians this week. We're now in our fifth week in a series called Promises, all about the promises that God makes to us. We say that God is a God of his word, that he keeps his promises, and this book is full of promises that God has made to us that we can hold on to. So uh, we started our first week, we kind of talked about how God has, has given us every spiritual blessing. And last week, Jeff just finished up a message that talked about how the fullness of Christ comes to us in God's love, that we can be full and whole and complete in God's love, that God's love completes us. And this week, we're entering into another one of those promises. And, and I, I, I can't lie, I feel like this one is really timely considering Thanksgiving is coming up this week. And we're talking about one of God's promises for our families. As we get ready to go um, to gather with family this week, we, we want to talk about this morning, what is God's promise for our family? How has God made the family and how is it supposed to work? So as we've been digging into this book of Ephesians, we, uh, we, we started in the first chapter. We, when we got to chapter 5, Paul talks about the beginning of chapter 5, how, how we are to be imitators of God, right? Imitators of Christ. Now, I'm a child of the 90s. If you guys remember, you could always identify a Christian in the 90s by their WWJD bracelet, right? You guys remember those? It stood for what would Jesus do? Um, We all had one. Some of us had t-shirts and sweatbands to go with it. But that that was the thing, right? What would Jesus do? And it was something we talked about a lot because, like, if we're honest, we, we know we should imitate God, but often we struggled to recognize what would God be like in these different situations and circumstances, right? How would God, how would Jesus respond to the school bully? How would Jesus respond to a demanding boss? How would Jesus respond to a member of the LGBTQ community, right? We struggle to know how God would show up in these different challenging circumstances and relationships and pressures that we find ourselves in on a daily basis. So Paul makes this statement at the beginning of chapter 5 about us being imitators of Christ. Then he begins chapter 6, giving us examples of what it looks like in two key relationships, the first of which we're going to talk about this morning, the relationship between parent and child. Now, if you've ever been a child, you can raise your hand. That's a joke. Very little hands went up. I think some of you are unsure about if you've ever been a child before. (laughs) If you've ever been a child, you know this relationship between parent and child is complicated, right? And then if you've ever been a parent, you know that complicated doesn't even scratch the surface. (laughs) This relationship is fraught with difficulty sometimes, but it is one of the most fundamental and foundational relationships in your life. No relationship has more impact on the trajectory of your life than the relationship with your parents. The relationship between parent and child is sacred. It is the one relationship that God himself uses to personify himself to us. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
So it makes sense that Paul chooses to start here when describing what it means to be imitators of God in the context of a parent-child relationship. So let's dive in and see what the promise is that God has for us in this passage this morning. We pick up in chapter six, we're starting in verses one through four. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to God for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, this was an easy one to recognize. Paul practically like highlighted for us, right? He said, this is the promise. Things will go well for you. Have you ever heard this phrase before? It reminds me a lot of, of, of a phrase that we use with our kids. Um, our kids love to craft. They love to make things, particularly my boys. They're constantly rifling through the recycling bin in the garage and taking garbage up to the room to make these like, little creations. And they, they gather things they find all over the house, and, and they assemble it into some gadget. Um, they're going to make a rocket someday. Um, <laughs> but they find really clever ways to use things around the house um, in their inventions, but the, the problem is sometimes these things get broken. And when this happens, we always end up having the same conversation with them. Every time this happens, we say, well, I'll ask, how were you using it when it broke? Is that how it's meant to be used? Do you know how this is meant to be used? Let me show you what it's supposed to be used for. Now that you understand how it was intended to be used, do you understand why it broke? All right, and then we always have this call and response that that it wraps up with, what happens when we don't use things how they're designed to be used? Bad things happen, right? God has a plan. He has a way that this parent-child relationship is supposed to function, and when we don't operate in that way, bad things happen. It sounds an awful lot like this promise that God has given us that things could go well. This isn't a promise that, that hardships will never come. It doesn't say that everything will go your way. It simply states that a great deal of unnecessary pain and frustration can be avoided altogether if you honor your father and mother. Life will go smoother for you. But I, I also believe this goes like way beyond just a simple kind of cause and, refect, uh, cause and effect. I believe that this promise is a promise of God's supernatural grace and blessing on you. But it stems from this condition. This is a conditional promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. It all depends on us conducting ourselves according to the original design. And there is an original design that God had, an original plan for how this relationship is supposed to work. And if we do things his way, we will see blessing in our life and things will go well for you. Now, obviously, entire volumes have been written about the relationship between parents and family systems. I I can't even begin to scratch the surface of all of that in my mere four hours this morning. So (laughs) one of the most frustrating parts of preaching is uh, like personally having to decide what to leave out. And there was a lot that hit the cutting room floor this week. So please, uh, I ask for your forgiveness in advance because it's simply impossible for me to truly represent the dynamic of parent and child. But... With this passage as our guide, I believe that God has several things he wants to show us about this dynamic this morning. So what is the original plan? What does it look like to imitate God in the context of this parent-child relationship? In describing this, Paul starts by addressing children, and then he calls back to one of the original Ten Commandments given in the book of Exodus, 
We see that in verse 2 when he says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you will have long life on the earth. Paul says that the key to this promise is honor. That within God's family, we honor our parents. Honor is not something we talk about much in our culture. Generally speaking, we as a society value truth more than we value honor, and as such, we use that as an excuse to dishonor others often. Have you heard this before? Someone will express a particularly unflattering opinion about someone and then follow it up with the phrase, what, I'm just being honest. Just call it like a sees it, right? We use this all the time. We use honesty as an excuse for being dishonoring. We feel that we should feel free to be able to express ourselves in any manner that we please without consequence. We hold no value for honor, for honoring those in positions of authority, but it should not be so for the people of God. One reason we may not value honor is because we don't really understand its importance. First and foremost, I would submit to you that honor is a basic human right. God bestowed honor on us when he made us in his image and when he saw us as worth dying for on the cross. Honor and dignity are granted to everyone made in the image of God. It is a right bestowed on us by our creator, and it's true for all people, but especially true for those in positions of authority, including parents. So what does it mean to actually honor your father and mother? One, one aspect of honor is respect. You honor your father and mother when you respect them. Respect means to act in a way that shows that you care about their feelings and their well-being. Why is this important? Because your parents are flawed. I hate to blow your cover, parents, but <laughs> it's, it's weird because uh, by the time you get to, a t to become a teenager, you start to recognize that your parents have flaws. And in fact, as a teenager, it tends to be all that you recognize. But the truth is that your parents are flawed, and God has given us this command to honor our father and mother because like it or not, your parents' flaws do not disqualify them from honor and respect. God puts no conditions on this, no matter how imperfect your parents are. God says you are to honor and respect them. Showing respect does not mean that you uh, agree with how you're treated, that it's okay. It doesn't mean that you may agree with their decisions. But respect is the recognition of their authority and their God-given position as heads of the family. Leading a family is not easy. There are many decisions that you make that feel like there's no right answers and are going to equally offend all. But respect is an act of grace that you give to your parents, recognizing that for all their shortcomings, they are doing the best they know how. And respect is not conditional or limited to the times that you agree with them. Respect given to parents and their decisions is respect given to God because ultimately it was his decision to make them your parents in the first place. Romans 13.1 says, everyone must submit to governing authorities, that all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Now, I, I know the resistance that this verse brings, and I would be lying if I told you that I didn't feel it too. Really, God? All authority? Yes. All authority comes from God. No one is in a position of authority that God did not allow it there because he's still on the throne and he's still in control. And his word says that all authority is to be respected. 
So respect shown to them and, and honor shown to them is respect and honor shown to God. It is an act of faith and trust in God's plans and in his intentions. Did you know that God has a plan and a purpose when he puts you in your family? It wasn't an accident. It wasn't left up to chance. From the very beginning, God has been about the transformation, the redeeming of this world, the redeeming of mankind, and he's been looking for partners. It all started when he found a partner. He found a partner in Abraham, and from that one family grew the people of God, the transforming agent in this world that God is using. A family united is a powerful thing, but every one of us has our part to play in maintaining the unity of family. And it starts with honor and respect. But parents, this isn't a one-sided equation. Respect is a two-way street. As leaders of the family, it is our duty to demonstrate respect to our children. Our children imitate God by showing us respect. And as parents, we also imitate God by showing our children respect. It is what Paul means when he says in verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your kids to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Parents, what would it look like if your child spoke to you in the same way that you speak to them? The Lord showed me this a couple years ago. My, my daughter, Melody, who is um, she's a very, very obedient child, and she always wants to help. Um, she, in her desire to help, sometimes she tries to like overextend herself and, and do a little bit of parenting with her younger brothers. Um, <laughs> and I remember in one instance, like I was in the other room and I kind of overheard one of these interactions. Uh, and I was really struck by that from, from the other room, like just how rude and, and demanding it sounded. And it would have been really easy for me to get up there and go instruct her, like, oh, don't be, don't be bossy to your brothers and stuff. But, but it struck me because... The tone, the language, everything about the interaction was exactly what she had seen me do in those situations. Everything she'd said were things I'd said before, and she said them in the exact same way that I did. She was just imitating me. Parents, listen to me. They're, they are always watching, and they will imitate you in every way, including how you handle conflict. One of the most frustrating parts of parenting is that for better or worse, your kids will end up pretty much like you. <laughs> they learn so much more from what you do than what you say. You constantly model the things that you teach to them. This is why one of the most effective things you can do as a parent in changing a behavior in your child is to change that behavior in yourself. So I submit to you this morning, if you're having trouble with a disrespectful child, have you considered if you've been disrespectful to them when handling conflict? Do you raise your voice when you feel unheard? When they respond with, that's dumb, consider how you've harshly criticized their decisions. Christ told us to remove the plank from our own eyes so that we may see clearly to help others. Many times our children frustrate us because they hold a mirror up to us of all the things that we don't like about ourselves. Like it or not, your children will imitate you. And that is why it's so important for us to be imitators of God as a parent. And never underestimate the power of an apology. I apologize to my kids all the time. 
And, and let me tell you, like, like I said before, no parent is perfect. No parent is perfect. They know it. And we, prevent, we present an even more powerful example when we show them what it looks like to own up to your mistakes. As a parent, you model that to your children. And it makes it easier for them to admit their own shortcomings and to have that conversation as a child when their parents have shown them how to apologize themselves. Do you need to apologize to your kids today? It could be a game changer in a relationship. You all good? Still with me? Okay. Another way to honor your parents is with obedience. Paul says this in verse 1. It's the first thing he says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. One of the most meaningful skills you will ever learn is how to relate and respond to authority. Let me say that again. One of the most meaningful skills you will ever learn is how to relate and respond to authority. Submission to authority is a godly quality, but I think if we're honest, most of us would admit a strong resistance to that. If you learn how to properly relate and respond to authority, things will go well for you. So obey willingly, immediately, cheerfully. This will serve you well in life. We all live under some sort of authority. Jeff is the lead pastor of this church. He has been placed here by God in authority over me. And it is to my benefit to respect and to submit to his authority. Things will go well for me if I do. God promises blessing if we're willing to do our part. Now, obviously, a willing and an obedient spirit can be taken advantage of. It's the fear that we all have. We've all, at some point, experienced authority that has been abused. There are absolutely times when those in authority can take advantage of their position to control and manipulate others to satisfy their own desires and agenda. That is true. That is possible. There are times that even parents can act with selfish motives, and it is unfair. But hear me. Their sin does not justify your own. Just because your parents have acted outside the character of God does not give you permission to do the same. There's blessing if we all do our part. So parents, we just asked the kids to remain submissive, but how do we as parents evaluate to ensure that we're not taking advantage of their submission? How do we as parents, how do we parents our kids while leaving room for them to grow and make decisions for themselves? Ellen Galinsky is a researcher who studies changing family dynamics and one of the first scholars to really emphasize the developments of parents themselves, how they respond to their children's development and how they grow as parents. Children's growth and development forces parents to change the roles. They have to develop new skills and abilities in response to their children's development. Galinsky identified six stages of parenthood that focus on different tasks and goals. Now, I know this is a parent strategy, And it's not under the authority of Scripture, but I share it with you this morning because I feel like there's truth here and wisdom here for us to wrestle with. You see, sometimes as parents, it's really easy for us to get stuck in one stage that worked well for us at one time and want to just continue that out for the rest of our child's time with us. We get used to making rules or giving directions, and that's totally appropriate to rate children when they are younger. I'm speaking as a youth pastor right now. But if we stay there, as our children learn and grow, we need to grow with them. 
especially as children enter adolescence, it's critical to renegotiate the relationship to allow for some shared power and decision-making. The key here is trust. In this relationship, parents, it's critical that you establish a relationship of mutual trust and understanding with your children before they enter adulthood. Many of us try to maintain a strong grip of control on our teens right up until they go to college. And if I can tell you with all sincerity, as someone who has worked with young adults for the better part of 15 years, this does not end well. It will not go well for you to try to control your young adults. I know, as a parent myself, I know that the heart here is to save them from pain and the consequences of costly mistakes. But you will build more trust, taking them through, talking them through decisions, making your wisdom and insight known, but let them decide. Parents, we've been there. We know there are some things you need to learn for yourself. Some things you have to learn through your own experiences, and that's part of the game. I know your desire is to protect them, but the goal of parenting should never be be simply to raise good kids. It is to raise good adults. As L.R. Frost said, instant obedience and mindless compliance are poor goals when raising children. A thoughtful, questioning, passionately curious, and humorously resourceful child will want to know why, who delights in in inventing compromises and endlessly pushes the boundaries, tends to become a thoughtful, passionate, resourceful adult who will change the world rather than be changed by it. It is tempting to want to raise raise compliant children because they take less effort. But we're trying to raise world changers. Be careful of breaking their will because they will need it later if they are going to stand any chance of being a transforming agent in this world. We need their fresh perspective and their youthful enthusiasm. So please, also as the one pastoring them, Take care not to be overbearing. Because as imitators of God, he is not overbearing with us. We just sang a song about your goodness is running after me. That is the model of fatherhood that God gives to us. And that is what we need to imitate to our children. The last last aspect of honor I would like to discuss with you today is that of appreciation. You honor your parents when you appreciate them. Show them how much you appreciate their effort and their sacrifice. Quick pop quiz. How many diapers will the average child go through from birth to potty training? No numbers? Anyone? A zillion? I have a zillion here. I'm not sure if that's a real number. (laughs) It's 7,000 to 9,000 diapers. That's what your mom and dad did for you. Now, you guys saw the stack of diapers out in the lobby, right? That looked huge. It's not enough. (laughs) We need more diapers. (laughs) Another question. How How much on average does it cost to raise a child to 18 years old, not including college? $249,000. $249,000. That is a quarter of a million dollar investment that they made in you. One thing is for sure, deciding to be a parent is a selfless decision. It is not easy to raise you. And though they may not have got it right sometimes, they without a doubt made huge sacrifices to provide and care for you. Don't take that for granted. Don't treat it like it's nothing. Appreciate it, show gratitude for it. 
When was the last time that you told your parents how much you appreciate them? We're, we're getting ready to go to Thanksgiving, the season of thankfulness. This could be as simple as a phone call. And for those of you who have aging parents, like understand that the brief 30-minute phone call from you may be the highlight of their week. I must confess to you all this morning that I have not done a good job of this. As a father of three myself, I have allowed the busyness of raising my own kids to become an excuse that I've used too often and have actually had to call my parents as I was preparing for this sermon. I felt so convicted. I had called all of my parents and apologized to them and recommitted myself to doing better. It's important to recommit ourselves to that or else to those relationships or they fade away. I recommitted myself to regularly uh, calling and visiting more often. Do you need to do the same today? Another way that we appreciate our parents is by providing them. Many of you have parents who are beginning to age and need to be taken care of. The time comes for all of us as our parents age that it's come time to return the favor. Paul talks about this in his letter to 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says, Give proper recognition to those widows who really need it. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. He goes on, and even more sternly in verse 8, he says that anyone who refuses to care for their family has rejected the faith altogether, and that's worse than never believing it in the first place. Taking care of your parents and doing right by those who raised you is an issue of justice that God cares very deeply about. While on the cross, in the midst of intense suffering, Jesus himself paused and took the time to make sure that his mother was cared for by one of his closest friends. Did you know that? It would have been really easy for him to say, Mom, I'm really busy right now. Got a lot of stuff going on. But while nailed to the cross, one of the few things we have a record of him saying was to his mother and his follower John, Look, this is your son. While on the cross, in the most important thing of all in history, Christ himself paused to take care of his mom. Think about that. If you want to imitate God, take care of your parents. There's obviously so much more I could say about this, but I'm out of time, so I finish with this. There is no doubt that God had a purpose and a plan when he placed you in your family. You're there for a reason. And the invitation this morning is for each of us to play our part in God's redemptive plan for our own families. For some of you, this means that you have work to do. You have a decent amount of unfinished business with those at home, and that's okay. For many of you, you felt God's invitation to take what you've been given and to build on it. When you want to be resentful of your family, think that God had a purpose of putting you there. We are joining God's mission to transform all things, and it starts with the transformation of our families. We all have a part to play. Let's pray.